Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes. It's April 26, 2018, broadcasting from beautiful downtown Nashville. The rest of the guys are in Washington, D.C. Joining me, Michael Warren of the Weekly Standard, my fellow cheesehead, John McCormick of the Weekly Standard. Thanks for joining me, gentlemen. I appreciate it. Thanks, Charlie. Let's dive right in on what happened with Ronnie Jackson, who withdrew early this morning uh, his uh, his nomination to be uh, Secretary of Veterans Affairs. But the thing that really struck me was this decision by the Senate Democrats to release that memo with all of the sort of horrible allegations against him, some of which may be true, who knows, but without actually knowing whether they were in fact true. And I, I was watching, you know, Montana Senator John Tester, the Democrat on, on the committee, you know, on one of the cable shows. And he's asked, you know, do you believe these allegations? Are they true? And he said, I don't know. I don't really know whether they're true. So, Michael, how unusual is it for a committee like this or the minority committee to release this sort of unverified information? It's pretty unusual. I guess maybe it's to be expected in very partisan Washington, where anything that is uh, comes from the Trump administration, if you're a Democrat, you, you must oppose. And if you're a Republican, you must support uh, sort of unthinkingly. But, it, you know, a, a lot of times when there are allegations like this, serious allegations against presidential nominees, um, then there are a lot of times the, 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 the minority party will bring this thing called evidence, uh, corroborating evidence that proves uh, or, or at least uh, uh, furthers the allegations and they don't aren't just simply anonymous and baseless. Um, so this is I, I thought it was really irresponsible for Tester to do it. The, the, the issue here is that it's it was one of these things where um, everybody on on the Capitol Hill side of this and this is including Republicans, this is including um, Johnny Isaacson, the Republican chair of the Veterans Affairs Committee um, was not happy about the Jackson uh, nomination. Yeah. Um, and this seems to be a convenient way of, of sort of shaming him out of, of uh, you know, keeping to pursue the job. But uh, it seems like a really underhanded and, and just, just not above board way of, of well, doing it. What it's do we know is true? Did, did he did he get drunk after the going away party for the Secret Service guys and, and crash a car or not? He, I mean, that, he, that, that's, that either happened or it didn't happen. He disputes. He disputes yeah. that. And so, I mean, I, again, as Mike said, I, I don't see how you can't let someone faces accusers it does yeah. seem like character assassination and furthermore some of these charges they're they're lumping together ridiculous things like that he prescribed ambient to people who are on a flight i mean it, that that's like what a, a click above advil i mean it's not exactly like he's handing out opiates and you have an article in politico su somehow suggesting this is like you know promoting the opioid crisis it's kind of crazy um how people have jumped to conclusions so quickly and also why i mean m maybe the fact that he's withdrawing so quickly means that there is something that to this, I mean, that would, that, I mean, if, if these were all completely baseless, uh, you would think that, um, especially in the more serious ones, that he would just stick it out. So it, I don't it, know why is, he would. It is so hard to figure this out. This whole, you know, when the, when the first you know, stories about him being the Candyman came out, it sounded pretty horrible until you read that. That essentially this is this is standard operating procedure. You go abroad. You're you're flying over eight different time zones, and it's routine that you give uh, you give sleeping pills to the people who are going to have to perform, and then you give them something else that helps them wake up in the morning. And apparently, there's nothing unique about all of this. Clearly, he made enemies. Clearly, there were things about his personality or his management style that rubbed people wrong. But uh, you, you and, and frankly, I personally don't think he was qualified for that job. But you still have to ask whether or not we've now crossed another line of fairness 
you know, when, when it comes to just sort of laying this stuff out there publicly without having it verified anyway whatsoever. So where does he go to get his reputation back? Right. And, and we should note as well that there appears to be um, his his future as the White House physician also appears to be in question because of these allegations. So it very, they very well could some of them could end up being true. Um, well, uh, that was the other question I had. If if even a substantial portion of those allegations were true, then it really raised the question how he kept his current job and how he had kept that job through the Bush administration, the Obama administration, and into the Trump administration. I mean, if this stuff was out there, it raises all kinds of questions about accountability and vetting, doesn't it? Well, and you had, I mean, the Obama folks, I mean, I remember yeah. back when uh, when the doctor, you know, gave Trump's uh, medical assessment, you had all the Obama folks saying that he was a great professional, yeah. consummate, uh, you know, professional. And so it, it is surprising. I mean, the idea that this guy was like drunk on the job frequently is it's it's hard to believe you know i mean that what did he did he once have too much a drink and he was asleep in a hospital when someone knocked on the door the next day i mean that's a, a lot different than the idea that he was some drunk who couldn't handle the job but again charlie this goes to uh the, the real issue was uh, i think was never these allegations it was the fact that he had a lot of people on capitol hill who just thought he was not qualified for the va job uh and this seems to be a very convenient way of 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 getting past that but and i will say the, the other the other element of this where i think the white house has some culpability which is um they they had they did absolutely no preparation right. uh, every single defense of uh jackson over these allegations um was sort of ad hoc was sort of made up on the spot and they try to sort of scramble around and figure out um you know a proper vetting of a cabinet official particularly the cabinet official who would be overseeing the second largest department in the federal government um, may have uncovered from the white house's perspective some of these allegations and they they ought to have been better prepared to defend their nominee uh and and maybe he could have uh, held on to his reputation again if these aren't true or sure. if they're trumped up uh, he could have held on to his reputation if the white house had protected its guy well, for, from the Trump uh, White House point of view, at least they got the win. Uh, Mike Pompeo confirmed by the Senate uh, as a secretary of state, apparently already sworn in. But it was also then EPA uh, Secretary Scott Pruitt's time in the barrel. Look, I've been flying, guys. H how did he do under uh, the grilling in, in Congress? Well, it, it's the House of Representatives, Charlie. So it's um, uh, it's maybe this is hard to believe, but uh, it it is uh, much more raucous and and uh, a much more sort of ideological group of people, um, not as uh, sort of stately as the as the Senate. So um, you got a lot of Democrats just hammering uh, Pruitt, um, uh, and and you could tell they were they were relishing the the chance to to hammer this guy who uh, I think is really uh, has been a threat on the policy to their uh, uh, to their interests uh, on environmental on environmental issues um, but but Pruitt also of course is in a lot of trouble and I think deservedly so he's got a lot of uh, questions that uh, that need to be answered that he's not really answered I think sufficiently and and even Republicans were unable to sort of completely get around that so as as usual he was really though um, you know speaking to an audience of one and there were questions about whether or not the White House was about to throw him under the bus to use another cl cliche uh, so how, how do you think he did if, if Donald Trump was watching this which is questionable if Donald Trump was, was watching this was 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 would he have been reassured and pleased by Pruitt's performance. I don't think it was a disaster in the way where uh, Trump is is going to would would say you know cut this guy loose. He really screwed up. I think he 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 
he made a couple of mistakes uh, in in sort of the run up to this hearing. Um, he had said that he didn't know in an interview with Fox's Ed Henry a couple of weeks ago. He said he didn't know about these raises that he uh, yeah, that his office had supposedly approved. And then, on, you know, while testifying before Congress, he said actually he did know he or at least he authorized a deputy to make make those raises. So, but it didn't have the sort of explosiveness that might uh, have really sunk him. Um, so basically, he's acknowledging he lied in that yes, Fox interview. Yeah. Yes, didn't but didn't tell the truth. Yeah, yeah he didn't tell the full truth. Is, is there a distinction, John? Uh, yeah, I mean, lying generally implies knowledge that you're okay. saying something wrong. I, I do think, you know, what's interesting here, if you just take a step back, uh, I mean, we're talking about the Trump administration here. The president is, um, uh, some would argue, uh, the most uh, immoral uh, president in American history. And yet you look at the things that are actually taking down or threatening to take down his cabinet secretaries, you're kind of surprised uh, that they're not of a, a graver level or graver nature. I mean, you know, with Tom Price uh, being taken down over taking private jets, uh, you know, someone like Scott Pruitt over raises, you know, I mean, you've got a president who is credibly accused of sexual assault. And meanwhile, his cabinet secretaries are being taken down over much smaller things. Uh, Mike actually made this point once uh, that it's sort of one of the reasons it's taking people down is it cuts against the whole idea of draining the swamp. You know, this is very much, you know, it's abuse of taxpayer money and that's that's why it's why it is so and that, so it, fatal, and that's something Trump is very yeah. aware of. And 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 if there is a sort of what morality to the president, it's it's that. Uh, aspect of it, not necessarily the things that got against uh, Trump himself. Well, you would like them to just say, you know, uh, no, Mr. Chairman, I have never authorized a raise, but I have groped several women. And, oh, that changes <laughs> that everything. Would, that I'm would save Pruitt. Not, no big deal. <laughs> okay, speaking of, uh, th- this is my favorite tweet of the day, and, and I don't know who Luke Thompson is. Do you know who Luke Thompson? Uh, yes. I yep. give him credit. Unexpected culture war outcomes, 2018 edition. Liberals to get football, conservatives to get Kanye. I, I trade. It was great. It's just the, the moment we are in. Okay, uh, I also didn't have a chance to hear this. Uh, Trump Trump calls into his favorite show uh, in the universe, uh, Fox and Friends, and apparently it was a lively interview. Um, what was what was the the major takeaway for you, Michael? Um, this was Trump doing what Trump wanted to wants to do and, yeah. and likes to do, which is um, you, you called it an interview, Charlie. I would call it more of a sort of uh, uh, temporarily interrupted rant uh, every once in a while. The, the, the Fox and Friends host would sort of get a word in and try to ask a question. Um, but, but Trump was very much in his element. It was, it, I'm not the only one to make this observation, but it felt like pre twenty sixteen Donald Trump when he used to call into Fox Trump and Friends unplugged. all the time exactly uh-huh. and 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 it's and it's media critic Donald Trump it's um you know uh, you know eat uh, uh you know sort of step in it Donald Trump he he admitted that uh, the only work that Michael Cohen had done for him was just a little bit of work uh, legal work and it was, had to do with this Stormy Daniels thing which by the way. Trump says that he uh, he claims he knew nothing about the Stormy yeah, Daniels two, thing. Two, so two things there, and you notice that the the lawyers from the Southern District of New York are already using that interview yeah. in their court filings in federal court, saying, "Hey, the president's already said that he doesn't do that much stuff uh, with uh, with Michael Cohen, so worst, there can't be a voluminous amount of privileged information here, right?" Worst client. Ever, I think that's what every lawyer is going. Uh, I wish I, I, I would. It's no, no, you know, uh, surprise that he's had trouble getting legal repre- representation with a, uh, you know, a uh, the way he he sort of spouts off. 
Well, and also acknowledging, and again, I'm reading the second secondhand sources here, the the acknowledgement that Michael Cohen handled the Stormy Daniels mess. That seemed like kind of a no, don't don't say that out loud. No, absolutely, and and uh, it it actually gives um, it, it hurts the it hurts the president's credibility on this issue. A surprise, surprise, and um, and I think it, but. I think the setting, right? The calling into Fox and Friends. You can you notice there's a there's a point if you watch the video where he just really kind of hits the ground running and he really is going after media, you know, going after CNN, calling it fake news. This is sort of Trump uh, unleashed. This is Trump. I think it, it, in a, a guy, for a guy who's sort of truth challenged, um, this is sort of Trump. Uh, giving, you know, uh, speaking truthfully, you know, this is how he really thinks. This is how he really feels. Um, and I think in that way, uh, interviews like this are revealing. And I think he should probably do more of them. So we have a better idea of kind of uh, what he what he thinks. And, and well, if, we tried. We did that back in 2015. That was our life in 2015 and 2016. Right. Yeah. People having this argument. Yes, we ought to carry more of these because when people <laughs> see it, they will fill in the blank. Uh, Hugh Hewitt uh, t- uh, tweeted out this morning, listening to uh, Donald Trump, having fun and swinging from the hips on Fox and Friends and wondering why he hasn't been doing this more. This works. He's the best promoter of his own record and people. Mm, dubious. Okay? dubious. <laughs> really? Really, Hugh? I, I want some of what Hugh was smoking when he was watching that because I'm not sure that it, that – a lot of other people in Trump world were thinking, hey, this is this is the formula. This is the secret sauce for us to keep doing. All right, John McCormick, I want to ask you, let's let's let's, let's get out of the uh, the Washington swamp for a moment because we, we just spend too much time here. I want to talk about this extraordinary story that that feels somewhat familiar, but it has new aspects. Talk to me a little bit about um, the Alfie Evans story. What's going on? And why we should care about it? Well, it's a, you know, it's it's uh, everything that people already said. It's heartbreaking. It's gut wrenching. Um, and we're so caught up in all these different outrages of the day, trumped up outrages um, in America with with the president and Congress and everything. This is really, it really is a genuinely outrageous uh, story. It, um, you know, it, it's it's a tragedy in the sense that this little boy, two year old boy, um, is suffering from a rare disease uh, that most of his brain has been destroyed, and doctors don't know why. Uh, he's still undiagnosed, but they have determined, the doctors say at the hospital in Liverpool, uh, that it's in his best interest that the ventilation be taken off. And that happened uh, a couple days ago, but uh, the boy didn't die. Alfie Evans lived. It's unclear exactly. Uh, he went for about six hours until they decided to give him oxygen. Again, it's unclear exactly the the, the timeline of when when he did and did not get oxygen, but it really is sort of, it, it takes things beyond tragedy. Well, what to, do the parents, what do the parents want to do here? The parents want to take him. They've uh, it, Italy, the Vatican have have offered to take him by air ambulance to uh, to Italy for for palliative treatment. I'm just basing what I've read on right. on a couple different Supreme Court UK Supreme Court. Uh, rulings in in their first appeal, they said they hoped to uh, treat him for you know six months or so, and if after six months there was no prospect of his ever getting better, at that point they would decide uh, to to remove life support. And these are obviously this decision is it's it's incredibly gut wrenching and difficult. And whether these are ordinary or extraordinary means, these are all sort of moral difficult questions to answer. Right. But at the end of the but, day, but, I mean, this, but, but mm. why? What what is what is the the objection on the part of the British government or the doctors to not let the parents do what they're choosing to do. 
they say it is not in his best interest because he has no chance of getting better. Uh, but that doesn't still answer the question that the parents think he is better off for the next six months and at least a chance. I mean, you can't this, I mean, this gets to what the Weekly Standards editorial said the other day. The, the headline yeah. was Alfie Evans and the limits of science. You know, I mean, first of all, science can't know that it, it, even if it's a one in a million shot that'll get better. You know, they don't know that. I mean, if you read the Supreme Court decision, they say almost all of his brain has been destroyed. The brain is a, is a very I'm not a doctor, but it's a very uh, marvelous and miraculous thing. And where children are often born with you know, very little of their brains and uh, somehow things recircuit, you know, I mean, and I don't know, I'm not saying that. He, but but uh, the, the other, like the more fundamental question really though, is who gets to decide? Exactly. Is there any, is there any question that, that these are his real parents, that they, that they are the guardians, that they have custody of him? Uh, what is the argument that, that they should not be able to make this decision? Let, let's even assume that it's medically um, a, 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 a reach. Let's just assume that he may not get any better. But, but you know, what, what, what is the argument that they should not be able to make this decision? Well, according to the UK Supreme Court, uh, the, the governing laws, the existing laws say that it's whatever is in the best interest of the child. And the doctors have chosen, said that this is in the best interest of a child for the ventilation to not be continued. Um, and, and it's true that the parents do not have an absolute right, right? I mean, you could imagine a case where a child was in some emergency and the parents said, um, you know, it's our belief that he shouldn't get support. And the doctor says, no, we want to save the child. Life. Right. That's usually that's, that's the a other different case. Way. That's that, a different, that's a more familiar that's aspect a, of this, right? but it, where, you, where, where you override the parents because they're withholding treatment. Yeah, but I mean, obviously, in a case where it's a, a tough call and the parents can decide whether or not they they want an extra six months with their child, who is clearly not, um, you know, he is not in, in completely uh, brain dead. I mean, he lived for several. He's living two days after they first tried to take away his care, which brings us to. I mean, it's not just a tragedy; it brings it to more of a moral atrocity, where you know these are actions of people are taking um, to, to end his life against the will of the parents. And these are natural rights that the parents have to, 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 to do what they believe is best for their son that uh, British uh, authorities say that they're overrunning by the interest of the children. And, and, and you hate to, that, I mean, there's a real case here with a real life at stake here, um, but you hate to kind of take it to a, a political level. But this really does underscore, I think, the fact of, of where things go when, when the government has a final say over health care. I mean, if, if for all the problems that we have in America... At the end of the day, whatever is wrong with a, a private company, a private company is not going to try and uh, health insurance company is to keep your child um, against your will. I mean, there are some uh, some some cases where there's disagreements among family members and lawsuits. Obviously, the Ch Terry Schiavo case is one of them, and and hospitals mm -hmm. no longer want to. But if you want to go and take your you know your child home, uh, th th there's always ways to appeal to charity to government when 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 pr when private corporations fail. Um, so I do think this is it's a frightening story in, in that respect too. All right, what else do we need to know um, at the end of uh, the day? We're doing this a little bit later, so we have a little bit more information. So Michael Warren, what do you think tomorrow's big story is going to be? Um, you're asking me to predict. Uh, tomorrow's yeah. big story. There's still there's still several hours before <laughs> before tomorrow happens. Um, look, uh, I think that um, uh, the, the 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 question that comes out of um, uh, out of the the Ronnie Jackson uh, kind of scenarios, who's next? Um, I'm hearing right. some things. I can't. I'm not quite ready to sort of confirm or report them, but hearing some new names being being pointed out, um, and and so I'm I'm going to be watching for that. The other thing is uh, Angela Merkel, the Chancellor of Germany, is going to be here in town in Washington, uh, having a meeting with uh, with the president. That's going to be interesting because. Uh, 
they don't exactly have the same uh, relationship that Trump and Merkel that uh, Trump had uh, with uh, with Emmanuel Macron, the French president. So I think it's going to be a chillier reception for uh, uh, for uh, Frau Merkel. Well, let's just step back here. You know, the the Macron visit, you know, certainly could have been one of the high points of the Trump presidency, given given the mutual respect and affection. You know, even 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 you know, taking into account the the subtle trolling um, during the speech to Congress. But this this was this was a presidential moment, and yet it was. This feels like the story over and over and over again. Once again the White House manages to step on its own story because, in fact, we're talking about Ronnie Jackson, Scott Pruitt, Trump calling into Fox and Friends, you know, Michael Cohen pleading the fifth, you know, all of those things, um, as opposed to thinking, OK, well, you know, here is here is the entree of President Donald Trump on the world stage um, in, in, a, in a relatively impressive manner. Yeah, but, yeah, I, I no, I think it was great. I think a lot of that has to do with the East Wing and Melania Trump, the first lady, who I think put on a good state dinner. Um, and um, and and look, there are some things that transcend even sort of current politics. And um, and I and I think the the American French uh, alliance and friendship uh, is one of those things. It's just um, that France is such a uh, I'm sort of a francophile, and uh, I think a lot of us here at the Standard are. Um, it's such an amazing country. It's a it's a country with a with a, a its own culture, its own sense of itself, um, and uh, and of course a long uh, a long friendship with the United States, our first friend, our first ally, um, and I think that sort of helped uh, transcend um, any of the sort of uh, pettiness. But um, you know what uh, you're you're talking about, uh, Charlie? All of uh, the things that the president. Uh, as, as things are going wrong this week for the president, despite this, uh, despite this great Macron visit. And the only thing I can respond to that is, you know, it could always be worse. <laughs> and it probably will be next week. We'll do this. <laughs> hey, gentlemen, thank you for joining me. I appreciate it very much. And thank you for listening to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Charlie Sykes.